Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams, and you're listening to episode 11. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming back. Um, We're just going to jump right into the podcast interview today. The guest today had some great turkey stories and feel like we ought to just jump right in with him. His name's John Burkhart. Even if you don't like turkey hunting or haven't done it before, I think there's some things to learn in this podcast, some things that you enjoy. So here we go. Here's John. All right, guys, I have the pleasure right now of sitting down here with John Burkhart. Uh, John is uh, in the Air Force. John uh, has been hunting turkeys and hunting for a long time, uh, since 1997. He's had uh, went out whenever he was 14 years old and got his first bird. So I just want to say, John, welcome to the show. Travis, thank you. Yeah, and thanks so much for your service. I really appreciate that, man. Thank you for the support. Yeah, absolutely. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself, John. Give us a little bit of an intro and uh, tell us tell us who you are, where you're from, and all that good stuff. All right. Um, I originally hail from the northern panhandle in West Virginia. Grew up in a a pretty standard family. Had mom, had three sisters, was the baby of the family. Um, followed my grandfather around most of the time through the woods, and that's kind of where my passion for the outdoors started. Mm. He tagged me along early on, much before I started hunting solo at 14 or before I was at least successful. You know, following him around through the deer woods, he was showing me the way way there. And then fishing, of course, was always his big passion, much more than deer hunting. So was much more of a fisherman early on and progressed into hunting as I got a l- little bit older. And, you know, it's been pretty much a lifelong obsession ever since. So yeah. on, a more, on a more personal front, data two, full-time job. You know, I've been in the Air Force now about 17 years. So it's been a good run. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's just a kind of a small snapshot of me. Awesome, man. Well, cool. Well, I, I uh, you know, sometimes I have guests on. I don't remember exactly where I heard from them, but I think we talked a little bit beforehand about just how many turkeys you, you've killed. And you've talked a little bit about uh, you have some tactical stories and some comical stories. But what stood out to me the first thing was about your first turkey that you ever got. So would you want to kind of lead us into that story a little bit? And then what, we can go different directions, talk a lot of different turkey hunting. I'm sure that you've had a, a lot of experience. But that first bird, there was something about that that kind of stood out to me. Yeah, so spring 1997, the young 14-year-old me is slowly progressing through the turkey. I think it was probably my second season really getting serious about turkey hunting. And by, well, I mean as serious as a 14-year-old boy can be anyway. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, So me and one of my real good friends, he was a much better mouth caller than, than I was. I never could grasp the concept of a mouth call. I was more of like a pot call guy or a box call guy. Um, and I just couldn't find a way to connect. And... He had earlier that day shot one right off the roost, flew down, boom, dead turkey. And he met up with me on the other side of one of our farms and said, hey, I'm going to go out with you. I'll call. You just man the gun. Sure. I, can, I, I will gladly do that. <laughs> um, we get to our spot kind of in a corner of a field that had a 30-yard strip of woods between that and a power line. And the birds had frequented there. I mean, that's just a historical spot. I could go there now and I haven't hunted there in almost 20 years. And no, I could kill a turkey there. Um, we throw out some calls, some real good yelps and some cuts, and a bird cut us off, and we plopped down. We weren't even really to the destination we wanted to be. We were still probably 20 or 30 yards off the field in some greener brush. 
um, thicker area. So I think at the, you know, looking back on it now, that was probably a good thing more than it was a bad thing. But being a young turkey hunter, you want to race to that sound. And it was just the longest five minutes of my life waiting for that bird to work. You know, that 30 yards that he needed to work before I could shoot him because I wanted to be in the field where I could see him because being him, you know, seeing him is always more exciting than waiting for one to show up. Um, so we coax him in. You know, he gobbles on his way in. No big deal. He, he read the script real well. I'm sitting there. The, the old, my, you know, I'm five foot five. So my 870 at the time was about as tall as I was. <laughs> um, I had an 870 Express Mag 12 gauge. You know, it was my, my first shotgun my dad bought me and literally probably was almost as tall as I was. And being that I'm a sh- short statured guy and this old bird's just, just over this rise, just gobbling away. And my buddy's just cutting it to him. He's, he's cutting that bird in half. Every time he gobbles, he's just giving him more cuts. And he finally, I see the movement through through this bush, and he raises his head up, and I said, "Hey, if you can get his head up just a little bit more, I'll bust him." And he he's cutting and cutting and cutting and cutting this bird. Just is sound like Morse code, you know. And his feet, and he stretched that neck out as far as that turkey could. And I pulled the trigger, and he fell down stone dead. And, oh, you know, yeah. there's that feeling when you, that euphoria you get when you're like, man, I just, I can't believe I just did this. You know, this is a big deal. Turkey hunting, especially in, for me in the nineties was an adventure that, you know, I didn't think was ever going to happen or, or I was ever going to connect just, you know, young and impatient like that, but walk upon the bird, look down, look down at his chest and there's three beards sticking out. One was nine, one was 11 and one was seven. Oh my gosh. And so your first like, bird is a triple first bird, bird. For 14 years old. And I mean, how do you, how do you, how do you not spark a lifelong obsession after that? Or maybe just quit because you're never going to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that thought never once crossed my mind, actually. It was, oh never, my it was always, you know, I was super excited about it, but I was ready to move on to the next. And, and that sparked my, my obsession, I guess, with turkey hunting. I've always, you know, been a deer hunter, but the turkey hunting has always been more of my my cup of tea. What what is it about the 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 turkey hunting? I hear guys say that you know there's there's usually guys that are diehard bow hunters, but there's something about turkey hunting that's for some guys has more of appeal. What what is that? It's the communication. Okay. It's simply the fact that I can call to that bird in his language, and he calls back. Yeah. Uh, you know, deer hunting's a, deer hunting's fine, and I ain't going to knock on no deer hunters because I do that too. But there's something about talking to that bird and him talking back that just has always just been my, just always fueled me. And I, 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 I always told myself, I got a, br- a brother-in-law that he likes to go elk hunting and he is, Hey, you should come out and try it. I said, I can't, I, I cannot do that. I said, I know me well enough to know that if I call to an elk and it calls back and that's the best really <laughs> of both worlds, you know, is deer hunting and turkey hunting kind of combined. I'd never be able to do anything else. Yeah. So I just, I, I just cannot do that just for my own simple, <laughs> for your wallet, my, it's probably, yeah, yeah. my own well-being because I'll just, I'll obsess about it and that'll be that. I can so. relate. I'm going elk hunting this fall and I, I, I'm going archery hunting this time. So I will see how that goes. I'll probably be addicted after that. Oh, I, I, I can, I can only imagine what that's like. I mean, if it's it, anything like turkey hunting then, whew. <laughs> <laughs> gets a hold of you. And that, that's me. I, I think, you know, growing up for me, all I knew about turkey hunting was my dad said it was dangerous. And then every year I knew whenever turkey season was coming in, cause these guys at school would bring in these mouth calls and they'd be sitting in the back of class making these, you know, 
noises, and I just thought it was the most annoying thing in the world. And so I had no desire to turkey hunt. And then I thought, six years ago, I'll give it a go. And, man, it is addicting. There's something about those birds telling you right from the get-go where they're at. And then you think it's going to be easy, but it is, it's definitely a challenge. So It, it, it truly is. It, it's, it's, you know, they're, they're wary creatures. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes them so hard to kill is, is that bird's got eyesight like a hawk. And, and he's just very cautious because everything in the woods wants to eat them. So yep. if it's not perfect for him, he, he doesn't worry about it. And, and you know, I think hunting here in the Midwest now, now that I, I mean, I've lived in Missouri now going on 15 years, but I grew up hunting in the hills of West Virginia where, you know, it's steep in all directions and them birds will teach you a lot when you hunt them in the mountains. Yeah. Because you're not getting those three, four, 500 yards worth of visibility. A lot of times it's, you get a gobble a couple hundred yards away and you might only get a telescope. And by a telescope, I mean his head will just come up over a rise like a telescope long enough to long enough to see you before you know you see him, and that might be your hunt. Yeah, so I've always appreciated that upbringing of hunting those mountain birds and and learning you know through trial and error and failure that you know now hunting in the Midwest it's I'm not saying it's easier, but it wasn't as difficult as hunting them back home. Yeah, yeah, and I've, I I agree with that. I think hunting turkeys in the woods—that um, to me, for uh, up until uh, two years ago, that was kind of uh, the hard thing. You know, the easy thing was going out. We had a field. We sat out in the field, and the birds would come to us. And it was—you know—that's how I killed a lot of turkeys the first few years. Um, my biggest accomplishment so far was actually going into the woods because I, I'm in Southeast Ohio, so close to West Virginia, yeah. and you've got these hills, and sometimes it's hard to judge how far away the turkey is. There could yeah. be like a really steep ravine between you and him, and a lot of times those birds don't want to cross that. Yeah. So I, I think if you can kill them here, you can probably kill them a lot of different places. So uh, I 100% you know. agree. I think anybody who hunts them in the mountains can relate to that. You know, when you're when you're fighting terrain and you're fighting the gullies or, you know, may, there might be a big barrier between you and him that you don't know about. and He's not going to budge. He'll drive you mad. Yeah. He'll gobble at everything you throw at him, but he ain't going to move, yeah. you know, because he doesn't need to. Yeah, but yeah I think there's mountain, mountain birds for sure. And, and, you know, I can't I looking back on it now, I can't be more grateful for it being having the chance to hunt those birds in the hills like I did. So. Cool. Well, John, you got, um, I know you got some more stories, uh, besides the first one. That first one's pretty good hearing about a, a three bearded, uh, Tom. I mean, that's such a rare thing to see, but it sounds like you've had some other success throughout the year. So you got any other uh, stories that kind of stand out to you? Yeah, I've got a couple. Um, you know, I, I, for, for those who've ever seen one, a bearded hen, I've, I got, I got the, the, the joy of shooting one of those one time. Um, it's legal to do as long as it's, you know, I mean, I don't want to make it sound like I was trying to break the law because that's not what the intent was, but just a, ra- a rarity in, in, in the time of, of seeing her come in. She had like a nine inch beard. And, and I was like, wow, that's a, that's a really skinny Tom at the time when I first seen her across the field. I was like, that, that thing's tiny. What is it? Cause I mean, you know, land of Missouri, they're 25 pounds or better on the, on the foot. Yeah. You know, so they're, they're big birds out here. And I was like, man, that thing looks small for her, for a Tom. And she came in just yelping like crazy. I was like, well, I, I mean, it's legal. And it's an accomplishment, you know, I mean, I don't know how else really to describe it. And when I, she was one of the more unique kills I think I've ever had because she was 20 yards on the nose. Again, the old 870 that I've carried around for 20 years now, you know, I put the old beat beat on her head and, and, and pulled the trigger and she took straight to flight dead away from me. And I was like, I, I, I don't know what just happened. <laughs> hey, this gun's never missed. Like what, what, John, what did you do? You've killed a, a truckload of turkeys. You know, it's just another day, and she 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 flew just full bore away from me when I pulled the trigger, 
and she flew face first into a tree. Oh my goodness! And just smack. And I I remember that sound like it was a home run ball from Barry Bonds, just crack. And I was like, oh. And then she fell. Obviously, she she expired when she hit the tree. But yeah, just I mean, and I put a I probably put a baseball size hole in her low, her upper back. And she just took the flight. I'd never she t- toughest thing I've ever seen. You know wow. what I mean? And I was really I was really taken back by just how she just didn't fall over. I mean, most toms I've shot at that range with that kind of you know my gun was pretty well tuned. Fall over stone dead, and you don't have to worry about it. But she, yeah, I was like, wow, impressive. So, yeah, <laughs> oh, man, that would have been a really cool one to get on video. Oh my goodness, that that is awesome. <laughs> I, I, that kind of leads me into my next story. Um, so I, I'm big into taking new people into the woods. Uh, I like taking people who don't go turkey hunt very often, kind of show them what, how, the ropes, so to speak. Hey, this is turkey hunting and to John, you know, in a nutshell, my, you know, my obsession, my passion comes out and they kind of get fueled by it. But, uh, I took one of my buddies from work. It's been, oh, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight years ago. He had a real tough season. I was already tagged out. No big deal. Um, I said, yeah, man, let's go. I said, I got a spot where there's some birds in the corner of this field. They'll probably pitch down. If they don't pitch down from scouting, I knew they crossed back and forth between two woodlots in this field. I said, I've seen and killed a bunch of turkeys here. We should be okay. He get, He's like, I'm, well, I'm big in the filming. Do you mind if I film? I said, I don't, I don't care, man. You know, you want to film? That's fine. I've never done it. Let's try it. So he puts the camera between my legs. Um, he's probably six, seven feet behind me up against another big tree. Daylight comes up. Turkey reads the script, gobbling on the roost. We hit him with three calls. He pitches down basically from about 65 yards out to my feet. And I'm talking eight yards if he was a foot from, from me. Struts, walks into the field, 20 yards to my two decoys, puts on a great show. I hear, ooh, I see, this, is this about to happen? You know, and at the time, I guess I got I to gotta back this up a little bit before I get to the good part because I was – I'm big into making sure people do their due diligence when it comes to equipment. So, hey, have you sighted in your gun? Do you got a face mask? Have you patterned your gun a little bit to your shells? What, what's your effective range? You know, I go through my list of new guy turkey hunter questions mm. to make sure I get a warm fuzzy. Just We're not going out there willy-nilly, and I don't want to wound one. So my buddy, being an accomplished hunter before, yeah, I've done that. I got a scope on my gun. It, it dialed into whatever he said at the time, 50 yards. I can shoot a pop can. I was oh, good. Okay, we're, we're ready. So – Back to the story, like I said, the bird flies off the limb, hits the ground, struts in between, bordered on in between my feet so quickly that I couldn't get the camera on because he just, I mean, he locked me up quick as, as soon as he hit the ground, he was within range of, I could have killed him. So I was like, oh man, okay, so this is going to happen quick. Like I said, he stretched out to the decoys, gun gets level, I hear the safety go off, kawam, dirt flies in front of this turkey. And I go, put another one in him you know because he was hot he, i guess he hit him low like in the leg so he's kind of hobbling off I'm like put another one in him i hear wham dirt flies again i turn around i start to get louder what are you shooting at put another one in him wham dirt flies again i'm screaming by this point what are you shooting at reload your gun because in missouri you can only carry three, three rounds in your gun <laughs> so he empties his gun you know, three times, his bird's 35 yards now hobbling away from us. I'm yelling at him to get more shells in his gun, and I'm asking him what he's aiming at. And obviously, I was using more colorful language than what I want to use in the podcast. But uh, um, long story short, he loads the gun again, three more shells, cocks it again, turks about 40 yards out. 
throws an, another shell at him. Dirt flies it one more time. I said, forget it. I throw the camera down, get up on my feet, and I gun this tur- I run this turkey down. You know, I run probably across this 100-yard field. I chased him into a fence. He luckily got to the fence. I could catch his feet, and I expired him at the fence. But from the moment I picked the bird up in the 100 yards that I walked back to the guy, I don't think I quit yelling, and I don't think I quit calling him names. And just, I was like, dude, I don't know what you're doing. You're the worst. You're sorry excuse for a turkey hunter. Lover. I'm just giving this guy oh, no. the business, you know, like I, my emotion came out, you know, bad on me, but I'm yeah. passionate about it. And, and I was, dude, you told me your gun was on. Blah, 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 blah. He's like, I was shooting. I was aiming. I swear. Okay. okay. He checked it like a week later. His gun was like a foot and a half low. Oh my goodness. I was like, oh, you're lucky you even killed that turkey. You know, yeah. like I, I, but it was just one of those stories where new guy you take out and. It's just, I've had so many of those fun little engagements like that. And that's probably one of the, while it's frustrating, yeah. it's fantastic to take new people out because you get stories like that that you wouldn't get any other time. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, oh, yeah. Be- beautiful bird. Big old, big old turkey. But it was just, it never fails it when I take somebody out, the bird reads the script and mm-hmm. something crazy happens. Oh, that's like, awesome. You know, yeah, I think I your buddy probably learned a, a very valuable lesson there. You know, I think a lot of guys with turkey hunting, you know, deer hunting, you, you'll take a lot of time sighting in your gun. You'll take a lot of time maybe going to the range if you're shooting a bow. But turkeys, I think some guys just kind of, they might shoot once or twice and a few, you know, a few beads hit the target and they feel like they're good to go. Yeah. And if they've never gone before, they don't realize just how precise you really need to be, especially if the turkey's at a distance. So you, you yeah. do it. And even with modern technology, I mean, the guns shoot so tight now that at 20 yards, you're throwing basically a rifle shell at them. Yeah. You know I mean? You gotta, you're, you've got to be dialed into your gun and your equipment at almost any range that you want to be effective at. Yeah, and and I was always big into that. Like you know, you need to, and I still am. And no matter what I carry, whether it be a a bow or a shotgun, you know, you need to be effective and stick to your effective range, and you know, or at least know what your equipment's capable of doing, so you're not having some sort of craziness like I did that day. Yeah. yeah. Well, wow, let me let fun. me ask you: Did your buddy did he go back out? Did he get something else after that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We've hunted a bunch of times since then, and every oh, time good. we do, we we tell that story to each other, and, <laughs> and, me, and we laugh every time because, you know, being just me being me, I just flew off the handle and got real excited and was yelling and screaming, and the turkey's right there, and he was, and he, he did pretty well keeping his composure, but I just, you know, I don't know what he was aiming at, but it, yeah. it sure wasn't the turkey at the time, you know. Was, yeah, well, he was aiming, but the the gun, you know, that was, yeah. was part of the issue. Yeah, that's yeah. that's uh. No lesson learned there for sure. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, and and I, I was, yeah. I still shake my head. I'm smiling now thinking about it because of just how, just how it went down. And and if I could have got, if I could have hit the record button, I probably would have won a million dollars on funniest home video. Because <laughs> I wish I could have captured the words I was saying. And I, but I, I'm glad I didn't. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, John. Um, yeah, and I've got other like I've taken a lot. Like I said, I've taken a lot of new people in the woods throughout the years, and something's always, something's always happened where. Um, I once took a guy, we kind of did like a turkey drive. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we were working a bird in the field and he was on it. He was in another field through a, a small tree line and it sounded like he was working away. So I assumed he had hens. No big deal. I said, I think, I think what we can do is if I'm going to put you in the corner of this field where I think he's going, right where I think he's at, and I'm going to do a push. Not, not many people push turkeys. Like it's not like turkey drives aren't really a thing. Um, yeah. but I was like, you know, we ain't got nothing to lose. It's early in the day, and there's plenty of other birds to go chase. 
So let's just try to have some fun. So I, he's like, okay. And he was a brand new turkey hunter, never really done it. He's like, I'm ready. So again, back to equipment. He was, he was wearing like our standard work boot, like a standard work boot. No, no big deal. I said, that's probably not what I would wear because the grass is wet and I don't like wet feet. Um, but wear whatever you want. I really don't care. So he, what I didn't know at the time was his boots had no tread. Mm-hmm. So there is a small three foot rise between the field we the field he was going from and where the bird was and all he had to really do was step up over about a three foot creek bank over some brush and probably pull pull the trigger on this bird so everything worked like it was supposed to again somehow the script was read perfectly i go to the other side i push the bird ever so slightly it sees me no big deal it kind of takes where i need it to go he said he could see it he dropped down into the creek got his gun ready came up over the other side, put one foot on that bank and slipped straight down onto his face. <laughs> and that bird never, never landed again. I'm not sure. I think that bird still might be flying. Like it just, <laughs> it just gone. And I said, like, man, you know, like it, perfect. I just, I said, I, I said, did you learn anything? You know, cause that's again, you always recap. Yeah. I need to get better boots. Yeah. Yeah, you do. You know, like that's probably the biggest takeaway was just, but it was just fun, you know, like he, he, he's still, I mean, we might as well have been successful because it was nothing but smiles like we had been successful. So yeah. it was a good time, you know, and for a first encounter to do all those unorthodox things was definitely, was definitely a, a memorable experience for the person and yeah. even for me. So, well, John, I, I want to ask this, you know, a lot of guys, maybe that are listening to this, since we do, this podcast is not just turkeys. We talk deer, we talk, we talk elk, we're talking a lot of different things. Um, so a guy that maybe is listening to this that hasn't gone turkey hunting, since you've taken some guys out, what's kind of like some of the basic things that a person going in would want to know? I know we like talking stories, but I think sometimes a little bit of tactics from a guy like you who's hunted all these years. What's just kind of the base stuff that, that maybe it takes a it takes you a couple of years to figure it out? Maybe you could give guys some some hints and some help here to, to kind of get started. I think too many people underestimate the value of scouting. Mm. Um, you can't kill a turkey where he's not. And you'll never kill a turkey where he doesn't want to go. Okay. You know, so what I mean by that is that's where your preseason scouting and even in season, I do a lot of in season. Um, our season here in here Missouri is only three weeks, but when I'm not sitting at the base of a tree, I'm putting miles on my feet trying to find feeding areas in between the roost and where his destination strut zones are. You want to find those strut zones. Um, I'm a big dust bowl hunter. Okay. I know that probably seems kind of like probably turns your head a little bit. Like, why are you hunting dust bowls? But I kind of view them as a social area. And if you okay. can find a dust bowl that's used, and, and if, for those who don't have never seen one, when you walk up on a turkey dust bowl, you're going to know exactly what it is. You're going to find it, and usually I find a lot of mine on the edge of bean fields. You're going to find them in, in loose soil where they can get down in there and throw dust on themselves, you know, to get the bugs off. And, and I've noticed throughout my time that I found a spot within 100, 100 yards from roost trees that if I could just, I could just sit there, Never make a sound, and I could kill birds almost every time mm. because they would fly down out of the roost. It was a social spot for them to go, and they would the hens would come in, dust, and obviously right behind them in the springtime, you know, their boyfriends are right behind them. And I did that three or four years in a row on the same at the same tree. Never, but it just takes. I think I think it takes a lot of miles on your feet, and then paying attention to what the birds are doing and where they're trying to go. Mm. Um, I, I think it's solid advice. Yeah, I, I'm a firm believer in you're never going to call them away from a hen, but you can call to the hen. 
and I've done real well calling to hens. So a thing to take away, if you hear a hen yelping, make the same sequence she does. If yeah. she cuts, you cut. If she, if she clucks, you cluck. And one a cool story that comes to mind is I was hunting in, I was hunting out here and then, oh my, 10, 10, 12 years ago. And I had got this hen fired up on the limb from a ways off. I was just, I knew she was with some toms and I knew I really didn't have a chance to, to beat her because it's hard to beat somebody who can just go to them. So I, I mimicked every, every word she made. She cut, I cut, she yelped, I yelped, same sequence, same, same tone, same sounds. And she flew from tree to tree and I watched her to the, to my tree. And she just sat in that tree for probably 20 minutes and cut. Would not let anything else make a sound in the tree. It was just one of the neatest experiences. And it was all because all I did was mimic, you know. And she, and I've learned that if those hens get mad like that, they'll drag the entire flock with them. Mm. So and it, it's, I've seen that before, too. That it really ticks them off if you mimic them. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, and there's times as a turkey hunter, you got to accept that. That might be your only avenue to success is, is, is making her mad and dragging her to you because he's not going to leave her. You know, very seldom are you going to get a, a hinned up Tom to leave hens unless the hens have already left the nest and he's lonely. A lonely Tom's easy to kill, but a hinned up Tom is not. Yeah. You know, um, so yeah, I think that's some of my, my more prevalent tactics, I guess would be the right word. Yeah. Is that, that I always look for dust bowls somewhere near strut zones. Or roosting areas, um, similar to like I don't know how many of you guys follow like Dan and Fault and the Honey Beast and Buck Betting and stuff like that. But I I, I relate it back to that. Mm-hmm. You know, if I can get within seventy five yards where he's sleeping, I can probably kill him. But mm-hmm. that takes a lot of groundwork, a lot of research, a lot of nights before finding out what what tree they're in, and then figuring out you know certain habits that I believe turkeys have. And when, you can start to pinpoint those things. And when you put a, this is something I'm still learning how to do. When the guys talk about putting a turkey to bed, how do you do that? How do you kind of find out the night before? Like you might have found their strut zones and things like that, but to find out which tree they're close to, do you do an owl call or what? What's that? Yeah, look like for you? I'm pretty big. So I, there's a lot of owls out here, so you really don't have to make a lot of sounds. Okay. Um, but right there in the evenings, if if the owls fire up and they start laughing or they start calling, and yeah, then turkeys gobble just. Get around about, you know, hey, I think he's about here. Um, one thing I've started to pay attention to in relation to putting a turkey to sleep is wind direction. And if okay. there's any topography. Um, I, I'm still figuring it out, but I think it's worth mentioning that leeward sides of hills. Okay. So the downwind side of a hill, usually level with the, the crest, is about where a turkey will roost. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, and hopefully this drives conversation through other people that – Pay attention, and I'd, I'd like to hear other people's inputs or even, even yours. That if, you, if you've ever noticed this, especially in the hills, downwind side of a hill, they're usually always roosted level. Mm. That way they can see the top and everything below them. Um, and I've just, I've just noticed that in, in a few of my hunts that, that that happens. But I'll also notice that when I'm putting a turkey to sleep. So if I know I've got a south wind tomorrow and I think he's on, a, on this certain ridge, does, is there a way that he can be on the north side of that ridge? Or and if, if there isn't, then maybe he's just running, you know, maybe it's just a mile long east-west ridge with a south wind, and that's just the way it is. But I think it's worth consist- considering for sure. Absolutely. Uh, and I tell guys, um, whenever I post this, if you guys have any uh, 
comments on that, go ahead and leave it in the comment section because I'd be interested too. I, I've never actually paid attention to wind direction with turkey hunting. Now, I would completely agree with them being on, you know, I normally find them on, on the hills, like you said, and usually it's it's on a tree where they can see the field or whatever's above them, and then they can definitely see down into the holler. So I, I think yep. there's definitely some something there. That's yep. that's really I've, good. I've always noticed that about birds is they will, uh, they will roost almost at the crest yep. to where they're just about visible with the top. And they can see everything going on. Mm, that's good. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, let's uh, wrap up here today. Um, you've you've told uh, a bunch of really good stories. You got one more, maybe one more standout story, and we'll we'll close with that, John. I really appreciate you coming on. You got some good stories there. Yeah, no problem. Um, what story would I want to leave you with? Uh, so I guess I can tell my first bow, my my first bow kill. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so I I, I like I obviously I've been a pretty steady steadily successful turkey hunter as a young man um when i first moved to missouri in what it would have been 2002 or, sorry four um that spring of 05 i started bow hunting turkeys um i did it without a blind i said if i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it the hardest way possible so <laughs> you know it, it just to see if i could do it you know a test like what is what's life without being tested so mm-hmm. Here I am. I'm sitting on this field, and I'm calling, and the birds are reacting, but they're probably 200 yards across the field in a different field through another tree line because that's just how the Midwest is. There's fields and tree lines. Um, And I've worked these birds till about 8 o'clock, and I was like, man, I just – these birds will not break from wherever they're at over there. So they've obviously got a core area where they feel like they're they're, they're okay and they're strutting. I I think I can sneak to that other side and kill one of those birds. So I, I, I sneak across the field, and I put my decoys out about 15 steps and jump in the, the little tree line, and I put my little stake blind up. And not a full-size blind, but just, like, I don't know what they're called, those little run-and-gun. Yeah, like kind of looks like a little they are the green thing in front of yeah. you. Yeah. I said, all right, I got everything set up. I got my bow ready. I got my, my arrow on. I made three calls. Turkey comes. All four turkeys come in. There's two hens, two toms. Come into my decoy spread, 15 yards. I'm like, oh, it's, it's go time. So I, I, I pick him out. I say, this is going to be my bird. Uh, I'm, I'm sitting on my knees, and I'm drawing. So I'm basically, bow is almost, it's just a few inches off the ground. So I'm trying to draw while it's on the ground, bring it to my face, and make the shot real quickly. I get the bow about three-quarters of the way drawn, and my broadhead, it was a fixed blade, got stuck in that netting oh. and, and pulled it off the string. And I'm, you know, I, I'd have been, what, 20, 20 years old, I think, at the time, 2021. 20, and I'm sitting there, and I'm panicking. I'm like, man, I can't believe I'm about to have this accomplishment, and this just happened. Like, I'm looking down at my arrow. I'm looking at the bird. I'm looking at the arrow. I'm looking at the bird, and I've got my hands, and I'm fit, I am I got the bow back down, and I'm fiddling with the arrow, trying to get it back on. I, he starts to see, the, see, see my movement, and he, he noticed something was up, but it was almost too late. So I click the arrow on. He puts one time, starts to take three steps. I come to full draw like a swinging motion, pin, nose, string, trigger, dead turkey. Just like that. I mean, I, it was crazy. Just crazy to me that I pulled that off with all of those little, you know, hiccups along the way. So yeah. That's but, awesome. You know, sometimes, yeah. sometimes with turkey hunting, it, we, it is extremely challenging. And then other times the birds will just, for some reason, they cooperate way too well. Yes, <laughs> so yes. That's the beauty of it. You never know what you're going to get whenever you go out there. The ones that read the script are always the are always the the funnest ones to kill. But I I mean, I could go on for days about the birds that whooped me up and down the hills and and taught me more lessons than any bird could ever teach me. You know about you know the successful stories. They don't teach you as much as the unsuccessful stories do. 
Well, John, we'll have to have you back on sometime. We can hear some. Yeah, anything. Uh, like it sounds like you got some good stories there, and I, I appreciate that. That's awesome. Yeah. No, no problem. I, I appreciate you having me. Like I said, hopefully, uh, you know, I enlightened some stuff. I told some good stories, and I'd love to come back on and talk turkey anytime you want. Absolutely, man. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate it, and uh, thanks for coming on the show. No problem. Thank you. He read the script. Uh, that's a phrase that I heard John say a few times uh, throughout that podcast, and it's something I hear Hunter say quite a bit. You know, you, you have a plan in place, and and then the animal, the deer, the turkey, the elk, whatever, it reads the script. It comes in perfect just the way that you needed it to, and it ends up with a, an animal on the ground. Um, but I, I got to thinking about that phrase a little bit. It just kind of stuck in my head. Um, you know, whenever I think about the Bible and things like that, I think about Jesus. Um, Jesus read the script. If, if you look at his life, there are so many times that he'll say, well, you have heard it said, but I tell you this. Or there'll be a time where uh, basically there's one point where Jesus is like reading an Old Testament um, scroll. He stands up, he reads it, and it's about this person that's going to come and proclaim the good news and set captives free. And Jesus is like, it's like a mic drop. He basically says, you have just experienced that by me reading this. Um, so he's saying, the script has predicted me coming, and here I am. And so Jesus goes through his entire life, and he just, prophecy after prophecy, these Old Testament writers would predict somebody was going to come and do things, and Jesus does all of those things. Um, it's quite remarkable how many prophecies he is able to accomplish. And what's interesting, though, is that Jesus not only read the script, he wrote the script. Um, he was writing the script out, following the plan that God had from the beginning, and here's the, the, the kicker, it leads to his death. Um, you know, I think if I was writing my script, I would never write a script that leads to my death, but Jesus chooses that because that's the only way that he can set us free from sin. Uh, the perfect man lives a perfect life uh, for us who are imperfect. And uh, I tell you, that, that's a pretty good script. That's a pretty good story right there. Uh, one that you should definitely look into if you haven't. Um, it's not just a religion. It's not just boring church. It, to me, it's, it's everything. It's life. It's why I get up in the morning. So there you go. A uh, little bit of uh, food for thought for you to think on. Thanks again for listening. Uh, man, John, I enjoyed hearing all of those stories from him, and I will definitely have to have him back on. I know he's got a lot more. Uh, he actually has killed more um, triple-bearded uh, toms than just his first, and so I'll definitely have him back on the show sometime. Hey, thanks again uh, for checking out the podcast. If you would be willing to share it or write a review, those things help. And if you'd like to come on the show, you know how to reach out to me, sheddinglightod at gmail.com. And thanks again for listening. Remember, shed the light.